Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 177 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for giving the episode a listen. In this episode, I'm going to look back at round 13 as well as some huge news that has come out uh, this week and the last couple of days, including something that just came out as I was sitting down to record this evening. Don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note via email or on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, I love being able to highlight the clubs uh, and learn a little bit about the uh, the culture of the game at the uh, the local level. Now, today's club of the episode is being sponsored by MickAussie.tv, and MickAussie.tv is run by Kim Harrison, or as he's known here in North America, Mick Aussie. Mick has spent the last two decades running his sports comedy channel talking about the NFL, the AFL, the Canadian Football League, as well as the NBA and the NHL. He also appears regularly on Sports Grid TV with Gabe Morenci. Now, today's club of the episode are the Kalamunda Cougars, and the Cougars play in the Perth Football League. They play their home games at the Ray Owen Reserve in Les Murdy, and the club has three teams playing in the C1 League also including their reserve seniors and their Colts. And they have two other clubs, including their women's club, uh, which is playing in the C2 competition. Now, the Cougars have been around since the 1970s, and interestingly enough, they said in the last 15 years, they've had 13 of their clubs playing in their respective grand finals. So a lot of success with the Cougars, and I wish them a lot of success going forward. Now, remember, you can find everything you want about the podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. I do hope you'll consider checking it out. You can get signed up on the mailing list there. You can leave a review for the podcast if you want to help out the show that way. That'd be absolutely fantastic. And uh, again, if you get on the mailing list when a new episode comes out, it's in your inbox within about 60 seconds of when that episode is published. If you want to help out the show, you can uh, check out the Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner there. You certainly don't have to, but yeah, really helps to keep the lights on, as they say which interestingly enough, last week when I was recording, the power went out right before I was sitting down to record. Also, if you're interested in any of the gear for the podcast, you can also find my Redbubble page up at the top. Now, a couple things that I wanted to get into today, and uh, one is the suspension for uh, Jason Horn Francis, uh, who's being suspended for two games, I believe, uh, for his hit on Josh Kelly. He's not going to be back until, I believe, now round 17 is what they had said. Uh, is the pressure building on this young man? It's, it seems like, uh, there's a lot of things happening here. Again, you know, the, the, the ruse are really scuffling. This is a club that has some talented players, but they have not put together a good year at all. And, and as, as you know, if you go back and look at 2021, this was a club that towards the end of the year was giving other teams a really difficult time. They were a hard club to play against. They weren't winning a lot of games, but they were they were kind of playing spoilers. They were making you earn your four points. Well, that hasn't been the case this year. And I wonder if this is, uh, you know, was this arm swing to Josh Kelly? Was this something just, was this something out of frustration directed specifically at Kelly from something earlier in the game? Was this a just, I'm... Like, uh, 
I can't think of the actor's name right now, from the movie Network from the 1970s. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And he just took a swing at the guy. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. But you know, there are also some rumblings, and I saw some things on social media that, that stated that, that he's uh, beginning to kind of put forth some feelers that might be indicating that he's wanting to officially say that, you know what, maybe I do want to head home to South Australia. And that really puts the the, uh, the ruse in a bad spot because here they've got a kid who was the number one pick in the draft. Now, you can certainly look at the father-son thing there. Um, somebody who we'll talk about here in a little while. They may have taken first had the father and son uh, rule not been in place. So I don't know what's going to happen with this young man. Again, he's he's 19 years old. There's a hell of a lot of pressure on him. They're trying to you know put him out there as kind of the face of, of the club. And that that's a difficult thing for somebody of that age. I mean, it's this is this is not you know college athletics here in the United States, where still yes, you you may be earning some money now through what are uh, NDLs, I think is what they're called, where some you know athletes can get a little bit of money or a lot of money, as the case may be, uh, to help uh, you know as kind of like sponsorship kind of things while they're in school, but. Just a lot of pressure on this young man, and I and I, I hope the best for him. Uh, no matter what happens, whether he's with uh, North Melbourne next year or whether he is somewhere else, and 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 if he's somewhere else, I hope North Melbourne is able to recover a significant amount of uh, draft capital uh, to help rebuild that club. Now, I I'm not going to get into the the Bailey Smith situation. Uh, that's been looked at very heavily uh you know he's been contrite about what happened you know so it's i I don't want to delve into that any further and uh you know it is it's uh it's a very sad situation you know this young man had, had been openly saying that he'd been dealing with some mental health issues i wish him the best uh you know i'm not sure exactly what happened because i'm i'm somebody who has not partaken in those types of things so I'm not exactly sure what went on, but uh, it's uh, it's a sad situation, and, and he's not going to be back now for probably a month at the least because he's got a two-game suspension still to serve because of the, the head bump to Zach Tui, and he may get suspended for, you know, damaging the competition with this. And, you know, it's, it, yes, he did something to himself, but... You know, it, it's kind of, it's all about the uh, the product on the field, on the grounds. So, I don't know what's going to happen there. And just as I was uh, getting ready to uh, sit down and start recording this evening, and I'm recording this uh, later on on a Tuesday evening here in Ohio, news broke, and I and I hate to use that word broke, um, but uh, you know, we saw some indications of this happening this weekend with the. Uh, kind of the sluggishness that we saw with Max gone on the ground uh, against the Magpies where he was in and out of the game several times, but it, it looks like uh, Max gone's uh, going to be out for three to five weeks with the syndesmosis injury. And as I think I said in a recent episode, I wasn't sure how to pronounce that word. And I figured, you know what? It's Max gone. I better learn how to pronounce the word. And yeah, you know, this is going to be a, a huge blow to the deeds. You know, this is a club who is struggling to right the ship after three losses and now they're losing their captain. They're losing the 
quite frankly, the, the, the cog about which the entire wheel of this club circles. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. Um, and of course it just, you know, this is you know not certainly the most important thing, but it wreaks havoc on my fantasy team with the, uh, the other people who are involved in the game here in the United States, because, you know, Max gone was my top pick overall. So, uh, my ruck options are somewhat limited. I just picked up uh, someone who doesn't play a lot of ruck, but hopefully will kick a few goals and at least get me a few points uh, in the coming weeks. So, and and I I'm not going to pretend that I know all of the names that uh, have been named to the the Hall of Fame here in the last couple of days. Of course, I do I do recognize the name Russell Ebert, uh, who was uh, raised to legend status. Uh, I know he passed away last year. He was a an absolute legend with Port Adelaide, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Nicky Winmar, terrific player. I have a Nicky Winmar sticker on the desk in my classroom, which, by the way, if you have a local footy sticker and you want to drop it in the mail, that would be awesome. I would love to be able to display it there. Uh, he got in Fremantle great uh, Matthew Pavlich, who I recognize from the, the television broadcast, and I know he was a phenomenal player during his time with the Dockers. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know the other names of the people who got into the uh, Hall of Fame, although I, I will mention one in particular, Mike Fitzpatrick, who played with uh, Carlton. I believe he was a two-time premiership player with Carlton, also was with Subiaco. But he was somebody who was involved in getting the clubs at GWS and Gold Coast up and running, as well as getting the AFLW up and running back in 2017. So he's now part of the Hall of Fame as well. So congratulations to the nine gentlemen who were named to the Hall of Fame. So let's jump into the uh, the games from this round, from round uh, 13, and look at look at what transpired. Uh, and I'm not necessarily going in the order that the games were played here. I kind of jump around a little bit here. You know, the Ruse, they, they, let's just put it out there, they scuffled again. You know, they faced off against a giant squad who has struggled in their own right. And, you know, they got down by almost 50 points at the half and never really closed the gap. Okay. You know, the giants had five players with 30 plus disposals. And what was interesting, the ruse dominated the hit outs 60 to 11, but they only had a 34 to 32 clearance advantage. So, I mean, that tells you that the giants were sticking their noses in there to get the ball, regardless of where it was being hit. So you, you got to tip your cap to the giants for, you know, for being, you know, a hard nosed side there to keep the clearances as close as they were. Uh, Riccardi, Peatling, and Canelio all kicked three goals apiece um, to, to outscore the Ruse on their own. The three of them outscore the Ruse by themselves. So the rest of the club could have stayed off the scoreboard and it would still have been a Giants victory. And this is not to take a shot at the Ruse. It's just it's it's to compliment the, the Giants for playing as good a game as that they as they did. Now, you know, Ruse supporters, as a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. We've had our share of misery over the last 20 years. We've not won a championship since 1964. I was a year old. I'm going to be 59 years old here very soon. I can certainly empathize with the despair, the frustration that's going on right now. I do hope things get turned around. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a, we can't fast forward the season. We still got to play the last 9 rounds of the season. Okay, before we can wrap this thing up. So I certainly can empathize with what's going on there. Now, the Hawks and, and Dockers, wow, this is one hell of a game. Okay, and I did not watch this one live. I watched it the next day, uh, and I had seen the score. And I had somebody telling me that this was going to, you know, this was going to be a phenomenal game to watch. And uh, 
Andrew Brayshaw had 37 clearances, six tackles. Well, 10 of the Dockers kicked goals during this game. So they spread the wealth around quite a bit. Uh, Jake Ramirez played the best game I can remember him playing in quite some time. And, and uh, oh, wife of mine, did you hear that? Jager O'Meara, that that guy that I you know keep you know showing you pictures of, hoping that you'll watch. You want to watch footy? He had a heck of a game. He might have a heck of a game this next time out too. Maybe you want to watch the game with me. Probably not happening. Uh, you know he had thirty disposals, nine clearances, seven tackles. A, a fantastic game on his part. Now you know the Dockers they continually move the ground the ball around on the ground. They had an almost one to one handball to kick ratio. So they were they they kept the ball moving and you know a lot of it was just getting it all over, you know getting it all over the place. So it was not a you know kick to location type of game for them. Yeah, I see a lot of clubs that have you know an almost two to one ratio there. So there was a lot of ball movement happening here. Um, you know I was impressed by the Hawks' effort, and we're going to get into some of the comments from some of the supporters here in a few minutes because I I heard from supporters from all twelve of the clubs that played this weekend. Uh, but, you know, the Dockers are putting together something right now. And it's, it's uh, you figure they just added their captain back in that fife. You know, he was back out there, 22 disposals, six clearances. This is, you know, they've got a challenging few weeks coming up here with, against some pretty good clubs. And they've already taken some pretty good wins this year. So uh, if you're a Docker supporter, you have got to be ecstatic right now and just thrilled about what could possibly be happening at this point in time. Now, the Tigers, they got up by 12 against the uh, the Power, you know, in the first game of the round. You know, they, they had a 2-1 hit-out margin, uh, but the Power outworked them with a 38-31 clearance advantage. You know, much of this Tiger club had a great game, but there wasn't anybody that really jumped off the stat sheet that said, wow, this guy was phenomenal. You know, Shea Bolton kicked five behinds couple of goals I might have won my fantasy game last week I lost by I think 37 points could have used a couple of goals there but you know what that's okay I made up for them by uh having added Todd Marshall in on on my club because of the bye week um he kicked three for me so you know Mr. Marshall appreciate you helping keep me competitive I've lost to the number one team on the ladder I'm in third place right now so a little frustrated by that but uh it is what it is yeah but the Tigers, and I got a lot of comments from Port Adelaide supporters, which we'll get to here in just a moment as well. Now, the Blues game this week was uh, the Blues-Essendon game. First of all, the, the Essendon 150th anniversary uh, performance or show, if you will, at the, at the outset was phenomenal. I mean, I really enjoyed seeing how they you know, paid tribute to people for over the last several decades. Uh, seeing you know the Danaher clan there was was terrific. Uh yeah, I know James Hurt, I believe, is is coaching alongside uh, the interim coach with GWS. So he was in town for this. It was you know, nice to see the reception that he got. You know, Harry Mackay was back in a couple of weeks early. You know, a lot of people didn't think Mackay was going to be back in for another couple of weeks. But, you know, he showed up, uh, kicked uh, three goals, had 15 disposals. Sam Doherty had 33 disposals, four uh, tackles. Patty Cripps, 28 disposals and eight clearances. And Dylan Scheel played... I think his best game of the year, you know, he had 27 disposals, 10 tackles and eight clearances. Pretty solid game. Don't you think they're Luke Parker? Uh, I know I do. He, he played a whale of a game for you know, a club that still is still scuffling. You know, they're, they're having a hard time kicking goals. Uh, you know, the blues got themselves a really big win 
and this is a club that is is doing things as well and and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the blues as they go forward here and i and i i have to i'd be remiss if i didn't wish caleb marchbank the best uh with a quick and speedy recovery this is a young man who has persevered uh spent three years away from the game you know trying to get his body healthy to come back and he had a meniscus tear in his knee had a little bit of surgery on that it's going to be out for i think they said six or eight weeks i hope he's able to come back this year because it looks like this blue side is probably going to be playing finals uh, so hopefully he gets an opportunity to get back out there and be part of this. Okay. So let's move on to what I thought was going to be the game of the round. And that was Brisbane and St. Kilda. Uh, Brisbane had five players with 25 plus disposals. Uh, Lockie Neal, 37 disposals, seven clearances. The Saints got out to a nice lead at the half. And, and full disclosure, I did tip St. Kilda in this game when I sat down with Mick Aussie last week. Uh, to, to do this game. I did tip St. Kilda to win this one. But the Lions, they just they exploded out at halftime, putting up four goals for to, to close that double-digit gap and take the lead. Now, this is not to take anything away from the Lions because the Lions did a fantastic job at home. They defended their home ground. They're difficult to beat at the Gava. This is a club that when you go when you go and play there, you know the, the Cats have kind of had that same sort of thing, although they've dropped a couple games there um, recently as well. You know, it's not to take anything away from the from the the Lions, but you know the Saints, you know, were were down several players. You know, they lost somebody right at the half, so they brought in their uh, their medical sub right at the half, and then they lost two more players. So they lost Mitch Owens, Daniel McKenzie, and Zach Jones all left the game at halftime or during the third quarter. So they were down to just two healthy bodies on the bench for the latter part of the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter, and they just they ran out of petrol. And, you know, both sides are healthy. Do the Saints win this one? I don't know. Maybe not at the Gabba. Maybe I would, you know, well, of course I was wrong for having tipped them because I, the, I got the tip wrong. But, you know, it's, uh, I think the Saints are still a very quality side. And, you know, if everybody's healthy, maybe there's a different outcome there. I don't know. Now, the Collingwood-Melbourne game. They, this was one hell of a game on the Queen's birthday, which ironically is something we don't celebrate here in the U.S., but we do have a lot of people who are interested in the the royal family thing here. There's a fascination with it, of course, because it still gets talked about here in the media in the U.S. Now, the D's, let's, let's be honest, this is a club right now that's treading water. They're taking on water, if you will. They're bailing right now. They've dropped three in a row. They've got a lot of uh, discontent uh, going on. Hopefully things get resolved there. And then the latest blow is the injury to Max gone, which is huge. And, you know, we're going to have to see how, you know, Luke Jackson is likely to be the number one ruck. And you think about this, this is going to put a lot more pressure on that forward line of the D's to score. Something that they've been struggling to do even with Max gone there going forward, with Luke Jackson going forward. Where are they going to get their goals from? Yeah, you know, I, I I'd mentioned I think last week. You know, Ben Brown is not Ben Brown is not a player who's you know he's going to take marks because he's a tall he's a tall young man, but he's not somebody that's going to create very often on the fly. Now he did kick a goal, you know, kind of a uh, a chaos ball goal last week, but that's that's more the exception rather than the norm for Ben Brown. So they're going to have to figure out how are we going to put points on the board, and hopefully Stephen May is able to come back in and and. Resolidify that uh, 
that defense. And of course, you know, you're going to have to figure out how we, again, we're going to compensate for not having Tom McDonald out there. Now, fortunately for them, they've got a buy coming up this week to try to get the things situated and figure out what are we going to do now. Okay. Um, you know, they had, they, you know, had a, they had a great effort from Clayton Oliver, uh, from Jack Viney, from Angus Brayshaw, but the Magpies were tremendous in the second half. You know, they, they, they held the D's to three goals, four while kicking nine goals to themselves. You know, Mason Cox arguably played his best game since the 2018 finals. Uh, Nick Dacos, Jack Crisp combined for 62 disposals at nine tackles and five clearances. Brody Majacek kicked four goals. It seems like every, you know, it's like almost like every week, Brody Majacek kicks four goals, three goals, one. You know, two goals, three, whatever. The, uh, like I said, if if I wasn't a Cat supporter and you have Tom Hawkins and, and you know, Jeremy Cameron as my two big forwards, I would love to have Brody Majacek playing on my club. I would love to have that, that young man playing on my club. I, I just love the way he plays the game. Now, this Magpies club is playing some very good football at the moment. And they've got some difficult games coming up, but their run home to end the season is not probably the strongest in the comp. If you look at it, they've got a few strong, they've got a few tough games, but they've got some games that, that on paper are very winnable. But again, you've still got to go out and play the games. You've got a lot of youth on this side that's playing. You wonder when and when and if they're going to hit the wall. When are they going to get tired? When's it going to be a difficult, uh, you know, a difficult hurdle for them to overcome? But you cannot help but be impressed with the job that Craig McCray is doing to get this club up and running. I mean, I, I'm I'm impressed. They had a really down year last year. And it's just, it's wonderful to see, it's wonderful to see the, the comp so closely packed. Because even the clubs that are down, you know, yes, West Coast is scuffling this year. North Melbourne, we talked about today, scuffling this year. But even the clubs that are 14, 15, 16 on the ladder have been giving other clubs a hard time. They've been playing solid footy in many instances. Okay, so I, I just, I... I'm I'm uh I'm bullish on how things are going to be going here. Okay, now I wanted to look at some of the comments from some fans. I, I went onto the different uh, discussion boards in uh, Facebook to get uh, comments from from people here, and I like I said, I reached out to uh, um the different clubs, each of the twelve clubs, in different message boards here, and I. I've kind of uh, pared down some of these. I'm not going to get to all of the, the comments that, that, that I got, but I'll get to a few of them. Uh, from the Hawthorne supporters, uh, Jason said, I thought it was well umpired. Jesus, you won't hear me say that too often. Uh, <laughs> what I liked, uh, what I like about this rebuild compared to other clubs is I can see where we are going. We can see that we are trying to do the vision and game plan. I can see what brand Hawthorne want to be known for. This, is, this has uncanny similarities to 2005. Uh, Greg said, I agree with this. The quality of football was very high. In the end, it was just a few brief lapses. That was the difference. Helen said, it was a highly skilled, fair match to watch. I love the mostly open play that displayed great, just great football. Loved it. It's on my to watch again list, and we lost. So that's somebody who's, who's t- looking at the glass being half full there. Jason said, for a team touted as wooden spooners before the season began to come within 13 points of the informed team of the comp, uh, without their number one forward target, Mitchell Lewis was a fantastic effort, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, especially on Frio's home ground. We we will still finish in the bottom part of the ladder this year, but there's a lot to like uh, from our younger players. Well-deserved Frio. Uh, 
somebody named Glenn, and I actually reached out to Glenn uh, and sent him a message that, Craig, I'm interested in knowing how to access your podcast. Sounds fun. Well, it is fun. I'm having fun doing it right now. And and actually, I read up on uh, this gentleman here a little bit, and what he's doing sounds very interesting because it it reminded me of something that I uh, watched on a television show out of Australia last year. Uh, so hopefully he'll reach back out to me. Um, I just, I, cause I'm really fascinated about that. Uh, but let's get back to what he said about the game. He said, what I took from the game was how well our recent few draft picks went last season's mid season draft has produced Bramble and Newcomb inspired selections. I note how a week or two back the North Melbourne recruiting staff hit the ejection button as the club spirals downward. I watched Top Gun last night. So, uh, one of them was, has headed to Hawthorne. I wonder how struggling clubs take it when a club with the winning pedigree of the Hawks gets it right time and time again with low draft choices and left field trades. Maybe the North crew saw some talent but weren't backed by the, in by the coach. Maybe. Uh, I, I think that what we were seeing at Hawthorne is Sam Mitchell has a fine eye for talent. Remember, he was, he was passed over at several drafts that in combination with a lively recruitment team, Hawks are looking very promising. Uh, David said, I'm, uh, I'm of the same opinion. It's a great game, and we kept up our intensity for a long time. Very excited about the future and the present with the forms of uh, Jake Ramirez and Mitch. But it's lesser lights like Bramble, Ward, etc. that get me excited. And I truly believe that Mitch Lewis, we, with Mitch Lewis, we might have won. Not bagging Callow, but he's not quite ready for the uh, at the level. But his, you could not fault his effort. Okay, and some of the Fremantle supporters. Uh, Jack said that, the best thing about our run home is we will get tough matches all the way at the end, and hopefully the boys will be ripe for finals after the bye. The biggest advantage we have is if we if we can still all steal all four Melbourne games and still don't have make sure we don't have to give up many home games. That will hopefully mean that we won't have to go to Brisbane first week of finals. Yeah, because as we talked about with St Kilda, you don't want to have to go there. Uh, Raymond said, if you can't win a premiership with that amount of talent, something. Is wrong. Something wrong should have uh, had two already and West Coast four or five, but footy gods injury uh, or not enough motivation. But think Frio at the moment have a great chance. Don't want to be in great form this far into the season from the big dance. Melbourne lost a few on, on the way in, peaked when it mattered. I had money on them. Go Frio. Blythe said it was a great fourth qu- four-quarter battle, perfect lead-in game to the bye. There was uh, no third-quarter blowout, followed by a fourth-quarter fade in concentration this week. A tough contest like that is going to hold us in great stead for the back half of the season. Ollie said 10-3 and three beyond any realistic expectations. Now, Ollie, I agree with you there because I think I've had the, uh, the Dockers tipped, I believe, 12th or 13th this year. Finals are almost locked in. A top four spot is a realistic goal. Solid growth from so many players beating Geelong, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, we don't have many easy games left, but it's a good feeling expecting us to be more competitive in every game now as a minimum. Nick said, whilst we uh, won the game and have the four points, our lack of defensive pressure was crap. Picking up opposition players seemed to be absent skill level okay at best. Not leading from the front and dropping easy marks. Lucky to get the win. So I guess that's a kind of a backhanded hat tip to uh, Hawthorne there. Uh, so last weekend in September is on our radar, then we better pick up our game, lads. Don't sit back and think 10-3. and We'll cut it. Welcome back, Nat. Now, looking at the Richmond game uh, with uh, Port Adelaide here, Terry said another lead coughed up and nearly cost lost the game. Leave Balta in defense where he belongs. Raymond said, Lynch in, Soldo out. That was it. That's all he said. 
Stewart said our youth looks good, Baker especially. The concerns, Kachin, Edwards, both are looking a bit slow. We still bomb the ball into our forward line when we panic. Once Lynch is back and Soldo back into more of a Ruckman game than with Nank, then we will be starting start to be steady. Aiden said, Kachin needs to get the nudge to retire. He's just costing us turnovers in the mid, which is costing us quick goals, and you find Baker has to clean up for him. Rotate Balta from back to forward like they've been doing, but just cut Tarrant and give that faith to Gibkus. I'd also keep Hugo in. That's just my take. Now, looking at some of the comments from uh, the Port Adelaide supporters, and they maybe had a slightly different look at the... Uh, game than say the uh the tigers did uh tim said that in summary free kick richmond actually it was more than a multitude that weren't paid every afl facebook post from that game had more than port adelaide supporters complaining about the biased umpires the commentary team said more said a few times in the final quarter that they don't understand the holding the ball rule which i could say i can see that also it was an abhorrent display of vic centric officiating and they wonder why crowd numbers are falling. Morris said the umpires were wearing yellow and black. Could have worn any other color but Richmond colors. Uh, best player for the Tigers was umpire number 26. Uh, now, a couple folks then stepped back away from the umpiring there. Uh, Chris said, we have no small forwards. Motlop and Gray combined had one possession in the second half. Only two players are having their best season, Marshall and Sam Paul Pepper. I hate being negative, but this year has been extremely disappointing. Uh, Jan said, same old, same old, disappointing season again. Kevin said, get rid of Hinkley. Uh, and then Daryl re replied, uh, and replace him with whom? Uh, and then they got into a much more of a discussion there, which I won't get into here. Uh, Travis said, Motlop has done nothing this year. Time for the reserves. I think that's what Rezies means. R-E-S-S-I-E-S. -S -E I believe that's what that means. Unfortunately, the, the great man, Robbie Gray, has passed it. I thought that last year as well. No Ruckman was always a stupid decision. When and going into the season with one AFL-ready Ruckman, again, is ludicrous. Hey, sounds like a Geelong supporter. Uh, <laughs> uh, we aren't too bad until we enter the forward 50. That's, when, that's where we have fallen down for years. Long bomb to a three-on-one coming back into our play. Dixon is okay, but will, ne but will never be a champion. I think we play better without him, to be honest. We tend to kick more to a lead than the long bomb when he is in. I'm not one to normally bag the coach, but how many seasons do we have to start with only run one Ruckman? Robert stated, start playing four quarters of good old hard Port Adelaide football like we did in the 80s and 90s. Now, Robert, I'm going to have to take your word on that because in the 80s and 90s, I wasn't watching the game at that, at that point in time. Annie said, was a huge battle, and there were plenty of hope in that game. Either way was possible at one point on the screen. There was a sight of the last 10 goals kicked, and seven of them were ports. Both teams were hungry, and the Tigers managed to win. I'm proud of the team and witnessed a tough game. We were not thumped. Richmond clawed its way back. Uh, Sue said, I have a friend, a one-eyed Crow supporter, and he said to me that umpire 26 should not get another game this season. He was disgusted that they changed their way of umpiring after halftime. I have to agree with him for a change. Uh, Josh said, I was really excited when we picked up Finlayson, especially for what we shipped out to get him. I do have a lot of respect for him, how he battled against the Tigers' Ruckman. 
I would love to have seen Alir go to the Ruck. Grimes was killing us and stopped stopped us from getting more inside 50s. We needed to stretch the defense there. Someone like Burton could have taken on Alir's role as the interceptor, although Alir had a fantastic second half. I think we missed a chance to watch our team evolve and have a little bit of extra versatility. Uh, Steve said Georgiatis would have would have stretched the Tigers' defense. Malop and Bonner did a great job helping the Tigers. Uh, so, <clears throat> and uh, Nathan, I believe, is talking about Don Pike that was, uh, well, I'm looking at that one. I'm not going to read that one. Uh, now, let's look. <laughs> that, that went into a little bit of a different direction. I had copied and pasted that one in before I read all the way through it there. Uh, let's look at the North Melbourne supporters. And, and North actually had a halfway decent crowd uh, for what is going on with the club right now. Uh, Richard said, sadly, my eight-year-old sums up yesterday's game. No heart, no direction, and it was the first time that he ever wanted to go home at the end of the first quarter. Andre said, Richard, sounds like he's smarter than a large percentage of the people on here. Get that little tackler onto the best of carry on YouTube to see what our club used to be about. And Fred uh, stated then, wisdom of the youth. Uh, Tanya said, there just seemed to be no effort. Guys standing around, not going for the, the player with the ball, tackles not being held, kicking and handballs just awful, not hitting targets, etc., etc. Giants are only just above us on the ladder, and we made them look like a top-eight side. We had no run and carry like them. Lots of, our, lots of kids in our side, but who's standing up uh, from the more experienced guys? None. Zebel did butter all, bugger all. Simpkin kept handballing to a player already under pressure, and just way too many errors from him, who supposedly is taking over the captaincy. Can't see any saving grace at this point. Uh, Maury said, I would like the players to just man up sitting at the game and watching so many Giants on their own getting uneasy, uncontested marks is the most frustrating aspect of our play. Surely, sure, we have a lot of clangers and turnovers, but that's part of footy mistakes. They happen, but we'll get better. There's no excuse for not manning up and chasing when you don't have the ball. Uh, Darren said, I did a three-hour drive to see this bottle of Roundup. Now, I'm not sure. Uh, Roundup here in the United States is actually a product that is used for killing weeds. I'm guessing the Roundup must be something different in Australia. You're going to have to let me know that. Uh, Gary said, LDU is, a, is an absolute beauty, our best midfielder by far. They need to give him more CBAs. He takes on the opposition and tries to make things happen. Our other midfielders need to work on their decision-making and uh, disposal skills. So many momentum-destroying turnovers. Taylor and Curtis both tried hard and did some nice things. Missing another key forward to take pressure off Larky and providing another option. Missing another key defender. Hayden has to play as the third tall back there. He did okay and plays with maximum effort. Will be handy on smaller forwards with more experience. The use turned into gate Kelly. It didn't quite work out, and they robbed us of having another good mid midfielder at center bounce. Uh, Walker and Core did not did well down back under siege. Goldie clearly was are still our best ruckman. Hopefully, we sign him for, for a few more years. Uh, you know, so let's look at what GDW, the GWS fans had to say that, and I did not hear from a lot of them. I think I got two notes, as a matter of fact, from GWS supporters. Ryan said that Canelio looked like he regained trust, uh, regained trust in his knee and began began moving well. Hogan, with what many see, many may seem as a quiet game for a big forward and a dominant side, was inter instrumental in bringing the ball to ground and competing. Bruin, for a small body, is is a killing machine. If he can fill out a little bit, he's going to be an absolute bull. 
One thing I'm still wary of is his playing well in the first quarter half and then fading out. I think we only won the second half by three or four points. So many games uh, this year, Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, West Coast, St. Kilda, Fremantle, Gold Coast, we've lost the second half a bit, and it's, it's worrying because it looks like we're either out of fitness or we don't care enough to put in a full four quarters. A few players who I rated in past seasons showed promise, uh, seem to have dropped a little bit, particularly Aiden and Sproul, who seem to make poor decisions and basic ball skill errors. Excuse me, basic skill errors. Uh, John followed up with that. Uh, Aiden's not going pearly, but is uh, slightly down off of last year. I have no doubt he'll continue upwards. I worry about Sproul. He just looked utterly off of it yesterday. Not going to say he doesn't deserve a spot or to be playing seniors until the club acts on one or the other, but he's uh, been here for years and really should be more consistent. I do question why we went with him over Pruce. I hope we don't continue that. Now, getting into the Carlton and Essendon game, Maryland said for Carl- Carlton support, a great win against the Bombers and looking forward to a great win against the Tigers Thursday night. Go Blues. Michael said, played a half, uh, half a game and won easily. There's a lot of upside of the Blues this year. We'll need to get to, uh, back to our best to beat the Tigers, which we should do. Makai to kick seven. Well, there's a big prediction right there. Um, are you going to put that into a, into a wager there, Michael? I'm, I'm not sure if you'd want to put that into a multi because seven seems to be a pretty big number. Uh, Steve said, still missing big pit net in the ruck. Bomber smashed us in clearances in the first half. Hope he's back sooner than later. And Essendon supporters, uh, Jenny said, I was happy with the boys. Uh, They're trying. Uh, There are young kids. We have to stand by the boys. Uh, Don said, I'm a member of the club and have been for the last 40 years. I've seen seen the low times in the 70s, the high times in the 80s and 90s, and the start of the century when the club was at its best. We've been starved for success since only coming in small amounts. Yes, the early teens... Early teen years, the club went through what no organization in sport or even business should have to go through. Our soul was taken along with many wonderful people from the club. Tonight, I went to the game only hoping for a close, even game. The highlight and most proud time of the night was to see the past players on the G again. Their effort, their endeavor, their spirit got them to what they call memories for them and us as supporters. It saddened me to leave the G and think that that was the only highlight of the night. Again, we were shown that the spirit has gone, the heart was gone. No forward plan, no defensive strategy. The mids and rucks did their best, but still the team looked for a sideways path to goal. What happened to the quick-running offensive play-on strategy from last year? Why is there no play-on attacking in the football? We have seen it only in one game this year, and that came too late to get the result that was required. My conclusion is that I think the club needs more than an internal review. Agree or disagree, this is my point of view as a longtime paying member. And, you know, I, I, and, and I, I love getting the viewpoint from somebody like Don there because, you know, I have such a, a short frame of reference. And, again, I'm trying to absorb stuff from all 18 clubs, you know, and I'm trying to be, you know, again, like full disclosure, if you don't know, I am a cat supporter. So I try to, you know, as much as I possibly can about the cats, but I'm also trying to learn about the other 17 clubs so I can have, you know, cogent conversations with people and not sound like a complete nincompoop here as I'm, as I'm talking to you about the, uh, the different games. Okay. Now, uh, looking at the Melbourne and Collingwood game, uh, Katrina Oxley, who I had on earlier this year, uh, previewing, uh, the, uh, the D's, uh, she said, nothing pisses me off more than losing to Collingwood. 
Now, I can get that. I, I that'd be like me with the Ravens. Uh, but I and she actually did uh, share up on uh, social media the the putting together of the banner that the that the club ran through, and it was kind of interesting because I I hadn't you know I've, I've seen the finished products of the banners but hadn't watched the process or seen the process of, of how they actually go about constructing them, but it was really neat because then then there was a a clip I believe where they were showing the kids who were there of uh, the, the adults that were, that were at the, the banner construction there the, from the cheer squad, from the D's where the kids were rolling across the banner to knock the air out of it, to make it easier to transport. Now, uh, Simon, uh, who was a Melbourne supporter, uh, didn't have anything to say, but what he did have there was a little gif with his bullshit meter maxed out all the way at the far right. It had rolled all the way over as far as it goes. Uh, Yvette said, yes, apparently when the players are arguing in the back line of the first quarter, look at the replay. It's very concerning. Uh, Karina said, something's changed. The culture of the club is in disarray. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, things are going on at Melbourne. Now, there's still a lot of time to put things back together here before this season is not over for, for the D's. Okay. This is a club that, that just won what, 10 games in a row. So this is a club that could go on that kind of a run again, you know, maybe not ten in a row because they don't think they have that many games left before finals. But they could certainly they could certainly win the premiership again. This is not a bad side. They've had a few rough patches that are going on right now. Now the Collingwood supporters, you know, I asked them about. I think I asked them about, you know, do they would they want to have the bye this week or do they want to get right back out and play again this week? And uh, the first person that responded said cancel. Cancel the bye. And uh, Jamie said, I feel the bye is a well-needed rest for our young guys like Dacos, Ginny, and company. Plus, it also gives the older guys' uh, legs a chance to relax and freshen up for the huge tilt in the second half. Um, Betty said, I love the scrap, but the bye is needed uh, to listen to their players. Uh, Tommy said, four, four winnable games after the bye, and we'll be close to making it. Uh, Danny made an argument that... Uh, that I made uh, a while back, and it was kind of something that somebody had also mentioned there. One by one week, all teams, and that's where I had, had tossed out the idea of maybe we we see the uh, you know the introduction of the the midseason trade period, where you have you know the span of basically twelve days where nobody's playing. And again, I'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing there, but it's it's something something you could talk about. And uh, Helen said, I'm a very old Magpie supporter from Deanport and Tassie. I was gobsmacked by the Blue Beanies, my dog and I. Uh, my dog and I were, walked here in Tasmania with ours before the game. Love Crocodile Danaher and the ice bath was a great game, but I think my neighbors moved out and my dog hid outside as I tend to be a bit excited at 71. I think Mason played the best game ever. Love Checker's work. Our awesome captain in McCleary. McCreary, I'm sorry. What a game. They all did so good. And moving on to the last game of the round, St. Kilda and Brisbane. Uh, St. Kilda supporter Peter said, as reported, they were saying that there were players who were ill. Uh, then why did we play non-fit players that just hoped we were able to pick up our chins and try to beat them? To beat a team uh, we had trouble beating as well. Uh, Drew said, switching attack when you're Main target is three on one, not always uh, targeting King. We need, you know, because you know, they're getting the ball to try to get the ball to King all the time. More run and carry on over on overlapping play. It was the midfields and forwards that lost, not this, not the back line. 
Dylan said that we had five or six players with gastro or illness going into the game, so we were un- underdone from the outset. We couldn't make multiple changes because the VFL game was already underway. Losing three players in 25 minutes of gameplay is never good. Four players, if you count Mason Wood, who limped out of the game. Before the, before the injuries, we were winning and had ascendancy once we went down to two mids. And McKenzie had to play uh, defenders out of position in the wing and midfield. They got beat by the Lions midfield. Uh, Doug said that in your podcast, you should also mention the simple shots that were missed when we were in control. The usual suspect, King. There's no excuse, and sadly, it seems the Saints are too timid to get him to change his routine. Given how we were down in fit personnel, the result might not have changed, but if, if we were up five or six goals instead of a couple, then who knows? And Brisbane supporters uh, Sandra studied 18, 18 one-pointers, but not all from kicks. The Lions had a tough game, but as we know, the Lions give their best and got the four points in a very hard hit out. Uh, Helen said, yes, 18 points. That's what we kept doing last year. Dennis said, goal kicking like that will lose you a final. And uh, Derek said, if not for the Bozo in the bunker, it would have been 12 to 16. So a, a huge thanks to all of you who uh, reached out and, and responded. I, I love getting your insight. I love hearing your passion for your club. I love, I love the honesty that many of you are, are providing here because you're not looking at this simply through rose-colored glasses you know, that everything is fantastic. And, and because a lot of you were realistic in saying that, you know what, the glass may not be half full. The glass may not be half empty. Maybe the glass got knocked onto the floor and broken. There's a puddle on there and I'm going to slip and fall on it. But, you know, it's, I, but like I said, I do appreciate hearing your viewpoint on these things. So it's, it's, to me, it's a really, really good thing. So I'm so thankful that you uh, that you go ahead and, and are doing that for me. So I truly, like I said, I truly appreciate that. So, folks, I'm really looking forward to seeing what round 14 brings. This is not, to be completely honest with you, this is not a a banner group of games coming up this week. Okay, this is not the the best round of games uh, compared to even what we had last week. Okay, you know you've got. Uh, Collingwood, Fremantle, Hawthorne, Melbourne, North Melbourne, and Brisbane are all on the bye. You know, you've got Richmond, Carlton, St. Kilda, Essendon, Port Adelaide, and Sydney, West Coast and uh, Geelong, GWS and the Bulldogs, and Gold Coast and Adelaide. So some compelling games there, some games that are going to definitely have an impact on who's playing finals. But not the, you know, not the big games that maybe we had seen over the last couple weeks before the bye. And, and again, I'm not trying to discount your club if your club is playing this week and was on the bye last week. But it's going to be it's just going to be an interesting round, okay? So, And I will be sitting down again to do our uh, preview episode with uh, Mick Aussie uh, this week. And again, I will what we did last week, again, we probably will not be recording until after the first game of the round has been played. So I will send him my tip for that first game, and hopefully he'll send me his as well. So, folks, don't forget that you can reach me by email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at yank underscore on. And on Facebook, just look for a Yank on the Footy podcast. And I'm on, on Instagram as well. Just look for a Yank on the Footy. Now, many of you have signed up for my mailing list over on my website. I hope you'll consider doing that. It's at yankonthefooty.com. I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends who love footy. Uh, you know, just 
because I'm looking at this from a, a somewhat unique vantage point. There are a few of us that are doing this, but you know, I'm 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 uh, I'm really enjoying bringing my thoughts and sharing your thoughts uh, as well. Uh, so you can find the 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 uh, button to do that. It'll actually pop up on your screen when you head over there. Now, folks, I want to thank you for listening. You know, this is a game that we all love. We're we're in the heart of the season right now. We're in the heart of the fixture, and it and there's going to be a lot of excitement that comes over these last uh, ten rounds or so before we reach finals. So anything could happen. You know, are the teams that are in the eight right now the ones that are going to stay in the eight? Who knows? There are a couple teams that are knocking on the door, hoping to find their way in there. So, folks, I do hope you'll consider sharing the episode or sharing you know, the link with your friends and family, telling them about this crazy American who's talking about this game that that he's so grateful that you've shared with him. Now, I'm not sure why I'm talking in the third person, but I am. It's a little late, I guess, for me there. But, folks, thanks for your continued kind words. I truly appreciate it. As always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 177 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at A Yank on the Footy or to Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook. And hopefully you'll check out the website at yankonthefooty.com. And I'd love for you to get signed up on that mailing list, folks. And if you have a great story, I'd love to hear it. So please consider shooting me an email registering as a guest because I love having great conversations about this wonderful game. I've got a few uh, interviews that I'm getting lined up. I'm sitting down for one next week that I'm very excited about. And I've got another one I need to get scheduled that I'm just as excited about. Just looks like a fascinating gentleman I'm going to be talking to. So folks, again, thanks for listening. I truly, truly appreciate it. And until next time, goodbye.